1: Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ Featuring the best of the best From today's conversations Observations and ruminations Because great radio is still fresh The second time around Oh, it's Mac and Bo
2: on your radio, baby. You guys are the most entertaining sports program in the world. My <laughs>
3: cahoots are over here and your
4: cahoots are over there. Okay, I'll leave yours alone. Are you punching yourself over, over there right now? You're all pumped up. <laughs> Have they even ever made mistakes? You make one every day. My soccer daddy right there. Oh, okay, okay. Well, thank you for calling me daddy. Yeah, Mac and Bo, get him, baby. Eight okay, o'clock. Oh, my him. bad, friend.
5: Well, listen, I don't want to speak too much for him, um, obviously. But, you know, there's different philosophies in ownership. You know what I mean? Some owners kind of stay, stay away and, and don't engage a whole lot. Other owners do. And his philosophy is he's going to engage. And, um, and listen, it's only been a short experience, but it's been a really good experience. It hasn't been fun. You know, it's not fun. Those, those meetings aren't uh, – I wouldn't characterize them as fun meetings. Um, but those meetings make me better, and I trust they make us better.
4: There you go, Frank Reich. Talking about David Tepper and, and his comment earlier in the presser yesterday that, da- that David Tepper won't sit idly by. And the follow-up question was, what do you mean by that? How, you know, basically, how involved is he? So there, there you hear it. But there are regular weekly meetings right now with Tep and Frank Reich. You heard him say they're not fun. And a lot of people, Bone Man, are wondering what the Tep dog might do with his bye week. You know what I mean? Um,
3: yeah. And the post-bye week, mag is interesting as well. Not the post-bye the one week, but the three or four games are at home. And then you got the Bears on that Thursday, which another one that, hey, that could could get ugly as well. But you have the Colts, you have the Texans and the Colts, right? Stroud and potentially Richardson. We'll see about his health. But those are going to be two hyped up games from the standpoint of the quarterback rookie matchups. And then in that four game set of the three or four at home, you have the Dallas Cowboys. So that's going to – we know it's going to be a Dallas fan takeover, and that could be an ugly sight there. The team could be winless for all we know. So Tepper's going to have to watch Mac, his quarterback, play the two rookie quarterbacks, and then the Dallas Cowboys at home in three of the four games post-bye week. I'm just saying – that can't sit well in terms of what Tepper may see. So in are
4: you games. saying if things go badly, you could say, because the conversation I want to have is, and I heard KB show yesterday, and I see our text line, and I see, you know, the media speculation. People are wondering if there will be a firing, whether it's a token scapegoat firing during the bye week or whether there'll be a big firing during the bye week. And I see what y'all are saying. Fitterer, Frank Reich, get him out of here at the bye week. Are you saying that you think something big would happen like after the stretch you just mentioned? Because I have to he's be unpre- honest. He's unpredictable. I, I'm not, I just, yeah. I'm not at, at the point where I want Frank Reich or Scott Fitterer fired. I don't understand. Frank Reich, first of all, would be absurd to fire him. I don't think that's Would happening. be absurd to fire him when you hired. Like, if you hired him and in, in six weeks at the bye week, you've already lost the faith in your hiring. You got to question your own hiring then. To rephrase
3: that, I don't think he's going to fire anybody, especially now. My point is... He's impatient. He's unpredictable. If they don't have a win, Mac, and they lose games to both rookie quarterbacks, and then Dallas fans completely take over the football stadium, I don't know who you would fire. I don't know what he would do. But that's the time where I'd look at it and say, you know what? Something could happen here after that bye week yeah. stretch. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I don't know so what he would do. you're saying
4: not next week. And I get why people are saying it. Remember the Joe Brady firing. Like, it, it, there's firings across the NFL during the bye week when things are bad. And they're usually scapegoat firings, quite honestly. Right. They're usually a pound of flesh to satisfy the masses. And I, I'm just saying, man, like, my fear with this whole thing about if you fire Scott Fitter or Frank Reich, like, I, I just, we got David Tepper has to watch out for becoming another Dan Snyder. Or the the Panthers becoming another Cleveland Browns. Those organizations, Bone, for a while there felt like they were firing a key individual, coach or GM, every year. And, like, even at the end of the season this year, like, I mean, you got, I, I'm worried that we're going to be that place. And by the way, how do coaches – do coaches want to come work for a place where a coach could be blown out after a year? Or certainly not after six weeks – You've got to watch that, too. We already had Ben Johnson, who looked amazing, calling plays the other day, by the way. But you already had Ben Johnson last year turn down David Tepper's request to interview him. Yeah. Like, does that happen more and more if a coach gets fired in a damn bye week after six weeks? What if a coach gets fired after one year? Like, I'm just not I, – I don't know, man. There's got to be some sort. I get – I'm angry, too, and I think there's been a ton of coaching follies. But it's like you put this all-star staff together – I start really worrying about the owner if he just, after a short period of time, admits, oh, I was all wrong there.
3: And you know? then, Mac, the fans that they, they wanted Rule fired right away. And then, obviously, that, they were right about that eventually. But then they, they – now they want – After R- two years,
4: I thought, yeah, is when Rule should have been they, fired. There
3: are fans that wanted Frank Reich fired after two games. Never mind three games, four games, five games. So then he's going to hire someone else. And there's some fans that the only play they have is – the quarterback or a player's a bust or they want a coach fired. So whoever he brings in next, if they did make a move, I'm not saying they would, but if they say they did, the fans, there's some portion of fans, that all they want to do is they want the coach fired. That's all they want. Whether it's James Borrego, whether it's Frank Reich, whether it's Ron Rivera, some fans, all they focus on is getting that coach fired. Whether it's one game, two games, Tepper could hire another guy, and y'all would want him probably out of here within a month also.
4: <laughs> well, here's the thing, too. Tepper could hire another guy. He's hired Rule. If Frank Reich, if you see Frank Reich as a failure and, and would like him fired, like, why do you think the next hire is going to be a good one? You know? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't understand. Like, that. that's the thing. And and ultimately, to me, like, this comes down to David Tepper's got to get it. If David Tepper doesn't get it as an NFL owner and how to do it and when to step in and when to lay back and how to hire the right people, we're going to be doomed for failure over and over again. That that's that's the that's the cold hard reality. We can talk about coaches. We can talk about QBs. We can talk about other positions, O line. We can talk about Scott Fitterer, but ultimately David Tepper's got to figure this thing out, man. So and he comes from the most patient organization
3: ever in Pittsburgh. How many head coaches Mac in the last fifty years yeah. of the Steelers had? And, and, and even even with quarterbacks too, they they don't they're not a revolving door of coaches or quarterbacks really for the most part.
4: And in fairness, I think David Tepper. With the Panthers, I know the Charlotte FC Miguel firing was really quick, but that felt like that was like extraneous circumstances. That felt like the locker room was kind of revolting against a manager, and he just, you know what I mean, had to say, face and so the whole locker room's going to go berserk. But with the Panthers, I feel like he's been patient enough or overpatient. Like, I'm thinking back to Ron. Ron, Tepper's first year, Ron goes seven and, seven and nine. And it's obviously disappointing, but Cam was injured. You know, um, it started well. We were six and two and then fell apart. But Ron deserved another year, right? I think we all feel that. Then in the next year, he fired him before the season ended, but felt like it was time, personally, as much as I like Ron. The rule thing, I really was on the airbone in the final month, December of that final year, right when the. Fire rule chants were like everywhere in Charlotte. This, you know, like, and, and uh, Hornets games, you know, Hornets games, and Lord knows Harris Teeters. Lord knows where else they were. But anyway, <laughs> <That's>, um, <laughs> I really felt end of that season, you, you should make a change, and he waited into the the next season. So he hasn't been. I know your point earlier was he's unpredictable. Could he do something like really early? Um, but like he with the coaches, I don't feel like he's had a quick trigger. To this point. By the way, you also got to be
3: careful with how many coaches you fire with a young quarterback this early. Also, he's learning the system. He's learning the. he's used yeah, to these guys whole new now. System. So if you fire a coach or a staff or whatever already and then you bring in a new one and that doesn't go well, you got to be careful with how many coordinators and how many coaches you throw at a young quarterback. Right. This is about Bryce right now. You said it yesterday. Everything the rest of the way. It's not about wins and losses. It's not about this or that. It's about the development of Bryce Young. And if all of a sudden you remove... Who, who knows what the dynamic is with Bryce and the coaches? We're not yeah. there every day. You risk you,
4: doing what the Browns did to Baker Mayfield. A hundred percent. Constant new new system every year. So that's maybe a very good if point, If you want too. to
3: maybe give Thomas Brown the play calling, that's one thing. And adjust within the staff. Yeah, that's, that's one that. thing. But I don't, I don't think we're ready to... And I'm not saying he wouldn't do something, but I don't. we're not ready yet for wholesale... Staff changes. Play calling at some shift. Point you gotta stop. We gotta stop turning things over and let it play out for a
4: while. That's that's my fear is that we become the Browns, right? And we're just changing a GM or coach every year. The Fitterer thing. It's it's interesting. It, it, listen, he's been here for a lot of bad moves, Scott Fitterer. My whole thing with that is how much was him, how much was Matt Rule? Like this is the first year it's been Fitterer's thing completely, right? Matt Rule didn't have, like, back then they told us Matt Rule had final say of personnel. Not they, the Panthers, but they in the media that covers the Panthers. This is his first shot. He drafted Bryce. What if he drafts, what if Bryce goes on to be a success, but Fitterer got fired before he got to see that out? So, I I don't know. I do think, Bone, the play-calling switch is an obvious one. I don't expect it to make a huge change. But, like, you could make an argument Frank Reich has too much on his plate. When he's telling you, oh, I should have said something about, about playing Terrace Marshall Jr. We didn't play him. Like... <laughs> Maybe you got too much on your plate, dude. Um, like he forgot a you soccer
3: player was on the team that day. Yeah, little
4: Johnny the- didn't get in the game. Little Johnny's mom is furious with you, Frank. And I just, I'm sorry, I didn't put little, little, didn't put little, uh, little Johnny in. Now, I'll say this. The only firing I could see, because I don't think they do, you know, Reich or, or Fitterer this early, but could they fire an assistant? Like just for optics, like we're doing something. But, but that, what, what does that do, Well. What assistant's going to go like, of this highly-tied staff? What does that do? You know, know what I mean? Nothing. It's just a scapegoat PR thing. Anyway, um, speaking of coaches, Bone, that were fired, you mentioned this earlier today. I had no idea it was the one-year anniversary of Coach Rule getting fired. And to celebrate yeah, this bro. occasion, celebrate, is that the right word? Look at the coaches on the line now, Bone. Look at Coach Matt on the line as we speak. Coach, what's going on?
6: Uh, you know, Mac, Bone, it's it, it's it's great to be with you guys, you know, once again, you know, a one year uh you know celebrating this uh the game.
3: <laughs> how's uh how's how's life going in Nebraska? You you're you're doing your thing, you're winning some games and first of all before we get to the issues here, how's uh how's life in the uh in the old uh, do they call it the old corn state? I don't know, but how's life over there?
6: your life is wonderful, you know. You know we're building. You know the the seven year plan has has reset for me, which is great. You know because at the end of the day, you know the seven year plan is what matters most. And you know this is you know you know where where I want to be. And you know that i winning football games and growing great corn.
4: Coach, everybody wonders what you're thinking about what's happening here. Like we all thought you were the problem,
6: but coach, it's it's not good without you either. You know th- you know, th- th- that just goes to show you how great of a coach that I really am. You know, because I never went over five. You know, then and, and, and the proof of the pudding, you know, and I love I love, love grape you know, great pudding, 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 pudding You know, you can have vanilla, you can have chocolate, uh you know, you can have uh, you know, banana, you know, you know, you these never got the pudding, you know, but uh, obviously Frank Wright only wants vanilla.
3: <laughs> are you in uh, are you and Jay Z still in communication there, coach?
6: Every single day. <laughs> Every single day Every single day I listen to a J.C. album uh, You know and, You know I wake up Me and my alarm dead different <laughs> You know Because Everywhere I go I end up killing it
7: <laughs>
3: Alright coach Well it's good to hear from you Glad life is going well You, you get talked about. Your ears are probably ringing you know, your, your ears are probably ringing We miss you around here coach A lot Truly we do right now
6: you know, I I miss Charlotte a lot too. You know, because you know we we were building a lot of great things there. You know, the city of Charlotte, and you know just that, things that kind of frustrates me a little bit now. You know, I I see you know someone else take over the you know the foundation that I built. You know, upset your plan, and and now now I'm seeing it crumble because you know when wow. I was there, we actually you know we never went zero and five. You know, we we were I was I was I was in year three, and guess what? In the third year that I was there you know, everything was set up perfectly for us to get the number one overall pick. And here here's the thing, at the end of the day, you know, we we would have just we, we, traded for Spigaffrey, you know, you know and, and all these other things, and we would have continued to lose games, and we could have the number one overall pick, and, and not give up all those draft picks to get Bryce Young. Like, I was setting us up to actually get Bryce Young the natural, <laughs> organic way, and not have to pay all these picks in order to get Bryce Young. I was setting us up to get you know, Bryce Young, see Stroud, round, Richardson, you know, one of these guys top tier quarterbacks. I-, I was sitting in that up organically. And, you know, that's the thing that I was trying to do. I was trying to grow you know, from the ground up, just like I'm doing here in Nebraska with all the great
4: course. Boys. Of course. There you all go, right, Coach. Happy anniversary. Happy all firing right. anniversary, Coach. You a okay, man. Look at that right all there. Right, there you go. There he is. Coach Matt, ladies and gentlemen, making an appearance to celebrate his one-year firing anniversary. By the way, Texter, stop saying Tepper needs to celebrate the anniversary by firing his next head coach. Stop <laughs> that, man. Reich's only had five games. All right, <laughs> Stop that. Listen to Mac
1: and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports
8: Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken.
1: Just in case you missed it earlier this week on the Wesson Walker Show.
9: and running. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's switch gears and talk a little professional football, shall we? The Carolina Panthers, while they're off to a bad start, we're trying to figure out how to fix it here in Carolina. And I think a guest that's going to help us out on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, he might be that guy to help us out here. Jeff Saturday. How about ESPN NFL analyst? One of the best centers of all time. You can find him on Twitter at Saturday, Jeff. Jeff, we really appreciate you hopping on, man. How are you? Doing great. How you guys doing? Yeah, We're doing well, Jeff. Really appreciate the time. And the reason I wanted to have you on is because I was listening to the Dominique Foxworth podcast. You can catch it anywhere you get your pods. And I thought the offensive line and, and position coach conversation you guys were having were, was interesting. And Foxworth was discussing how one of the only times in his career he had a specific cornerback coach. It's actually among the best years he ever had in the NFL. And then you discussed how technique – teaching that to an offensive line actually helps them fine tune their skills, even more so than installing a game plan, watching a ton of film. And we're having some offensive line problems here in Carolina, Jeff, is that the most important thing to do right now? Just to make sure that the starting offensive line members understand technique in order for this to fix itself going forward.
2: Yeah, I think, listen, you, 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 whenever you install, you know, new schemes. So, you know, Frank obviously is new to Carolina. And so, um, you know, they're gonna install it their way of 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 blocking schemes. Um, that changes in the NFL, right? I mean you have certain guys who want to block it certain different ways. Um but when you're when you're talking about how do you come out of uh or or, or play better as a unit, I think it always goes back to uh techniques and fundamentals. And so I, I think that's really what you have to hone in on. Um, the, the O-line coach there and I think he's an excellent football coach. I actually had him in green Bay, but it takes time. And when, and here's the other part of that is when you are getting used to a new quarterback, a new system, uh, receivers getting you, everything is just, it's a tick slower. It takes time to develop. It takes time to find that rhythm, um, and this is not like a veteran QB who has had opportunities at you know at other teams. Now he's coming. This is a guy coming out of college, right? So it's going to take time to figure this thing out. Um, and, and and everybody wants to compare rookies, and I get it. And you know it's, Well, it should have been Stroud, and it's Richardson, and it's you know, it, and it, that's every year. And I get that what what fans like to do, but ultimately um it's gonna be development of your entire offense, not just one piece or part of it. So they're all going through it with growing pains and um, you know, they're they're trying to get better each and every week and they'll find their way. Just take time and, and uh Unfortunately, it's been an ugly start, and and whenever you're whenever you're struggling, it's all going to pile on. But I think patience is a virtue in this situation.
9: Well, Jeff, I th- you were in a similar situation, not identical to what's here in Carolina, but you started a couple games in '99, your rookie year, and then you started every game really after that with the Colts as long yeah. as you were healthy. And Peyton Manning was just a year before you. So when you're talking about a young left tackle like Ike Aquanu, who's only in his second okay. year, here's Bryce Young, his you know rookie season. And as a QB and a new coach. How hard is that even for some of the veteran offensive linemen? I mean, it just seems like there's so many different things and different stages of their career overall and with their specific time here in Carolina. It, how hard is that going to be to fix in the second half of the season after an 0-5 star?
2: Yeah, it is difficult, but I think you going back to – First of all, I think going in expectation-wise, understanding what this year was going to look like for the Panthers, I would hope people would have been reasonable and going, hey, what are our expectations? So, as a team, what do we need to improve on? And each group, you know, each individual group, so if it's the O-line, if it's the tight ends, if it's the receivers, the running backs, the quarterback room, all those rooms have to go in and go, okay, what, what, what are we as a group going to do to get this thing better? And how do we grow on that? And whether it's you know, as you pare down the offense hey, in the run game, we got to get to this, and in the passing game, we got to limit this, and and so figuring that out, like you said, man, these are young players and and they're talented players, and I think they will continue to get better, uh, but it, it it doesn't just happen overnight. And and when you, I think the other part is when you're watching is it, is when different players at different moments are making mistakes, it looks like the whole thing is bad, and you just you know, there's no. If it's just one position, you can kind of coach your way around it, right? But when it it's different groups at different different moments making errors, uh, that, that that's when it snowballs on you. That's really where they are, man. I mean, but the reality is they're going to get back, they're going to keep working, they're going to keep growing. Um, I, I like their staff, I like their team. I, I didn't have the expectations they were going to have a great year this year. I thought they may win three or four games um and i think that that still could possibly happen as as they progress in the latter portion of the season but um it it this is not a team that's built to win yet and and they got to put the pieces together and they have to mature and that's just going to be you know it's going to take some time and and i think ultimately to get there but it um, it's just where they are right now, unfortunately.
5: Jeff Saturday joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Saturday Jeff. And Jeff, I got to ask you about Ikeya Aquano When you talk about those young players, and it seems as though he's taken a step back this season from the progress he was on his rookie year. What have you seen when you watch yeah. him? Well, I
2: think part of it again is, is when you're when you're managing a new in a new system, you know, he's trying to figure out, okay, so are my eyes out on the slot or my eyes kicked back inside? And and like I, when I talk about being a tick slow in the NFL, a tick slow means you're giving up a sack or you're giving up pressure, right? So you you, become, you start catching blocks as opposed to, um, you know, being forceful with your hands. You're a little bit hesitant. And I do think part of that is a system, right? As you get in, I mean, two systems in two years and now, you know, you're going in. To this, and you're you're trying to figure out. Okay, you know where where do, where where is the call to? What's the quarterback? You know how is he progressing? Where am I progressing? And then now you put on top of it. Hey, who who do I got to go block? I mean, all of those things are difficult. But but again, I, when P, and I said I, and I this last year. and Listen, when I when I started coaching it in, in Indy, and the, the the offensive line was much maligned, People were putting them on blast, and even as I coached through, if you would, they, they this is a this I knew that offensive line would be good. I'm watching them a year later and the progression that they're all taking. They are all taking massive steps forward, right? The young players who started in play, it's gonna be the same thing, but it, it takes time. As a unit they gotta to gel together. They gotta to trust what the inside guy's gonna do. What is it gonna be a slide technique? Is that the back, is the tight end, who's helping me and why? Um, and it's not, it's not, it's not simplified. It's not super easy. It takes some time. Uh, but again, when you're when you're playing and you're a you're a split second late in the NFL, it shows up in droves. And I think that's what I'm seeing. It, it, this kid's an athletic freak, man. I think he is going to get there. Um, I, I just think, like I like I said, the, the the complexity of a new scheme and what they're asking him to do it's just going to take time to digest. And then again, if the quarterback holds it. If it makes him look bad. Is it the timing of the quarterback, the receiver, all of those things, but nobody, you know, unless you're cutting tape down and watching it, you know, play by play, nobody really sees that, you know, well, where, where, what should the ball have come out? Was that a three-step drop? Is he, what's the timing on the five-step? And so, you know, tackles get blasted, but the reality is that ball may have should have been gone. And so, He's he just going to have to take lumps in the in the press and understand that's just part of the gig, but keep, keep trying to get better as a player.
5: Jeff, what do you think about, too, having a quarterback the size of Bryce Young? Do you feel like that puts, and obviously as an offensive line, I was an offensive lineman myself, did you feel the pressure, obviously, to protect the quarterback? That's part of your job. But when you have a quarterback Bryce Young's size, do you feel like that put even more of a microscope on this line to where it makes them kind of, their confidence can waver or they're a little bit more nervous because they have a smaller quarterback? Back,
2: you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I know this for us in Indy when I was blocking for Manny. You know, you, you, your job was in the balance, right? You, you don't protect him. You know, like like uh, yeah, Howard mudd our offensive line coach. you said, "God rest his soul." He'd be like, "Hey man, if he's on his back, you're getting a new job." So um I don't know if there was any more pressure than that because I understood. I don't care how big that dude was. He better not get touched. I mean, you know, the 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 measure of a game was was his jersey clean when he came off? Was there any grass stains? You know, was there anything that happened to Manning? And that was literally how we, how we, you know, valued our, our, our game. And so um, I don't think it's any more pressure based on the size of your QB. I mean, obviously that the height sometimes can be an issue. You know, balls get batted down. But I think that's another issue. That's not protection necessarily. But, man, I can tell you there wasn't any more pressure than I'd ever felt it. I knew my job. I knew my job was directly linked to me protecting eighteen man. That that dude got touched. I wasn't gonna be working long. So <laughs> that's kind of where we drew it as well.
9: Well, and and I feel like a lot of people have gone back to that Peyton Manning rookie season, and they try to compare it to Bryce and say, look. Look what happened with Peyton. He became one of the best QBs of all time. It seems like a little bit of a stretch to me, but there is the example of him throwing close to 30 interceptions his rookie season and then turning it all around. I think mentally there are some comparisons to be made. Physically, they're very different. Peyton Manning was not anywhere near 5'10". Okay, He was a bigger quarterback. But when you talk about just their mental makeup, do you see some of the similarities there with Bryce Young and Peyton Manning?
2: Well, I, first of all I love Bryce's I love his demeanor in the pocket. I mean, I, I think he is uh you know, he's very calm. You know, he never feels he never he, it never looks like he's overwhelmed, right? Like when he's playing a game let me just say this, too, about Peyton. Like, his first year, he had Marshall Falk, who's in the Hall of Fame. His next year, they drafted um, Edron James. He had Marvin Harrison. He had Marcus Pollard and, and, and uh, Ken Delgrett tied tight end. You know, he had a good offensive line, you know, a first and second run. But he had some pieces in part. So, like, Peyton struggled his first year, but he, he got a lot of HOFs around him, right? Like, like like. So right now, it's not just about Bryce Young. I mean, right? right Thielen's played really good, but when you look at their receivers, they have some work to do. I mean, let, yeah. like, like we can't act like you're plugging in a kid who, hey man, you you know he's got all these pieces and parts around him. And again, I'm I'm not here to bash the the, the, the You know, I, I respect the heck out of everybody playing, but but when people compare Peyton, I, I tell people all the time, like, hey man, he had some really good players around him. Like, like let's not act like I mean like Tom Moore, the offensive coordinator, Bill Poind did a good job of saying okay here's what he is here's what we need to surround him with and did it look ugly his first year sure and then the next year got better and but but people were critical of Peyton for his first six or seven years about winning different games and but there were guys around him. The Panthers—they—they they are starting from scratch, right? I mean, like you said, you have—you have a second-year left tackle. That was where Peyton was, and—and and they gave up a ton of sacks. Their for i mean, a ton. As he got hit all the time, and that got better the next year when they hired Howard Mudd. So there will be there will be different moves and moments for this football team, but it's not just one guy. Like, you're going to have to help him. There ain't anybody who's just going out there doing it by themselves. So let's not just make it about one guy who's going to come in, you know, the savior complex of one guy can do it um you you know the guys around you make make your job a whole lot easier and the panthers got some work to do in that category and they'll get it together but but don't expect everything the first year
5: all right jeff before we get you out of here we know you love the tar heels as a tar heel football alum uh do you like what you see from them and do you feel like they're going to be making the trip to charlotte for the acc championship game and maybe more
2: Ooh, I'm liking where we there you are. Go. Hey, my man. Hey, my man. May is he's putting it out there. But how about our defense? Our defense is lighting it up right now. We played last. One we played the best time I've seen us against like a a mobile QB. We got Miami coming up, and you know they'll be all they'll be all pissed about what happened and, and give up a game to Georgia Tech. So we got our work cut out. But I am very excited. I, I think these guys are playing with some nastiness, um, and I really do. I, I love what Chizik's doing over on that defensive side, and. With May and 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 you know Tez not being able to play, like there's just a lot of arrows pointing up. Uh, but we hey, we're staying humble and hungry. Like we ain't done anything yet. <laughs> we're five and a, we we hey, we're, don't, don't try to give us flowers right now. And everybody's trying to bandwagon, give us flowers. They know we don't do well with compliments. We're trying to stay hungry out here.
9: Um, All right, Jeff, I apologize, but I was actually born in Indianapolis. My family is texting me right now saying, look, if you don't get any fun story about Howard Mudd and Tom Moore, just straight up football dudes, like fantastic names. You've referenced them a couple of times during your years with Indianapolis Colts. Can we get a fun Howard Mudd story from you? Because I feel like we've heard a lot, especially my family up in Indianapolis. Is there anyone that you can share with us here on the airwaves in Charlotte?
2: Uh, there's a lot that Howard Mudd said to me that that, that you cannot hear on the air. All that air. Uh, it, it, but listen, he is—he is li- was literally—I uh I, I told him he—he ma- he made my career, man. He challenged me to do things that I didn't even think I could do myself. uh And I would—I would tell you this: the, 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 the probably the best story I can give you. So I'm going against Chester McLaughlin uh, mm. early in my career. I think it was my 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 rookie or my second year at center and. And uh he's telling me in the meeting room, he's like, Hey, we're going to, uh, we're going to stand protect, which means the two guards and tackles are blocking out and I'm blocking Chester, like one-on-one all by myself. Like I said, Howard, hold up. We're, we're not going to slide, but we're not going to help me. He's like, nah, you, you're going to block them. And, and, uh, I, was like, I I don't, I don't know about that. He is Saturday. Just get your ass kicked with dignity, man. Just pick it up, and we'll go from
5: there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, he was, he, he told me he was like, "Hey, man, he's gonna get you every now and again, but go get him." And, and, but that was, you know, Howard was an all-decade player, man. He, he was a fantastic football player in his own right. He understood the way the game needed to be played. Um, but he and Tom Moore, man, they, these are old-school, like mentally tough. Give no ground, um, and I, and I will be honest with you. It made me such so much of a better player. I mean, when he when he expected me to go block guys like that, and I did. It just it bred confidence um, that's just unparalleled. And and I think that's to me that's what coaching is all about. Right, the schemes and all that are all great, but but Jimmy's and Joe's matter and getting those players to play. Uh, above where they expect they can play is really where coaches excel he's a hall of famer in my mind man probably the greatest o line coach if not one of if he's not the he is one of the top 2 or 3 ever to do it uh, and I was fortunate to
9: play for him. No, I love that message. Hey, go out and get your ass kicked every once in a while. Like you were mentioning yeah, that on the podcast. Dignity, baby. Yeah, it, it was a great episode. People, go check it out. The Dominique Foxworth Podcast with Jeff Saturday. It was released a couple of days ago. Check it out anywhere you get your pods. That's Jeff Saturday, one of the best centers of all time, on the Body Works Plus, guest hotline, talking a little Carolina Panthers with us. Jeff, we really appreciate it, man. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, that was awesome stuff from Jeff Saturday. Big time. Yep. You can hear
1: Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC,
0: the exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.
8: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
1: Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show.
10: But well, Let's talk some college football right now with a former Tar Heel defensive back, a former East Mech Eagle. Well, in his heart, he's always an East Mech Eagle. College football analyst with Stadium and on Twitter, add in the bleachers, the great Michael Felder back with us on the Bodyworks Plus guest hotline. What's up, buddy? How are you?
7: Um... Man, I'm trying to do an Excel spreadsheet right now, and you're I'm working so- on rounding and averages.
10: <laughs> it sounds like it. I can hear in your voice you're working on a spreadsheet
9: right now.
7: Like, it's it's, it's my brother came over and literally sat me down and helped me, and I'm realizing, uh, I actually literally, as you went to me, I realized, oh, um, the end number that I have, it doesn't reflect the next three weeks. Stop, just stop. To try-
10: just stop with Excel. Don't do that to yourself. Just Just come on. I-
7: It makes my life easier, though, if I do it this way because it's going to give me the game times and the average plays per game. And that's the thing that I have to have because I want to see if these rules matter, right? Like, I want to see if these rules are shortening the game. And I want to see if these rules, as everybody tells us, are decreasing plays per game. So I've got to do it this way because I've been doing it by hand. I got the same calculator that my mom used to have when she was doing grades. Uh, back when
10: I was like eight years old. Mm. All right. Well, let's talk about something more exciting than spreadsheets. Let's talk about Carolina Tar Heel football. Um, I, I, I think this could be the best team in the conference. And I say that after watching my Hokies go down to Tallahassee and lose to Florida State on Saturday. And I do think Florida State's very good. Um, so I don't want Florida State fans to get it twisted. But I'm looking at Carolina, and I think they're very well-rounded, and they can absolutely run the ball effectively. And Florida State can be run on. So I realize I'm looking down the line a little bit here, but as I'm watching these teams, all of them through the first several weeks, I'm not so sure that Carolina and not Florida State is not the best team in the ACC. Is that a wild take in your opinion?
7: Not wild. They're a number 12 right now, yes. and they are – I mean, you look at that schedule, and buddy, they got Miami. Obviously, that's a prime time game. They, they're throwing Miami, a team. Do you want to talk about Miami? In a se- oh,
10: in a second. Yes, I do.
7: Let's do it because that was woo, woo, buddy. What they lost it. Not only did they lose to Georgia Tech, that the decision to just like, hey, we could win this game by taking a knee, and instead we're gonna. Open ourselves up to a, a like. What did what did you think about that when you
10: saw it? The, I'm sorry, did Carolina win? No, no,
7: no. Miami. Oh, Miami. I'm the sorry. Miami okay. lost well, to Georgia Tech. I. Uh, all
10: right. So, <laughs> I I had actually I remembered that he had done something similar in the past, but I didn't trust myself. Yeah. I didn't trust my. I was like, "There's no way he's done this twice. I must be misremembering this." And then, like, 15 minutes later on Twitter, um, some yep. somebody posted, "Oh, this happened against Stanford five or six years ago." You yep. and it was like of all the things to not learn from, how could this yep. make the list? Like you've been through this humiliation before, and you do it again. Why? And and that's where you start to I think lose faith in a coach if you're a fan base or an institution. No,
7: no, I think you're spot on. I think you lose faith faith as a um, player too. Like that's the part that's scary to me is I I, I got really upset with them showing, um, my man. Uh, that fumbled because I was like, yo, that's not his fault. Show Mario Cristobal show him all the time because he's the one that made the mistake. So, uh, with respect to UNC, obviously they got the primetime game coming up this weekend and, uh, Drake may has been consistently the best player in every game. Last week might've been his best game and they're finding ways to, to, to create chaos in the backfield. That's, if, if, if I'm going to talk about UNC, the big thing for me is, is Cedric Gray, obviously, it starts with him. But the way that they've been able to create penetration and live in the backfield for other teams is really, really cool. So this is a team, and it, it reminds me a little bit of, of of It reminds me of Colorado, not a little bit of Colorado. It reminds me of Colorado where we're not big enough and we don't have enough bodies to, to get penetration. But you know what we can do, we can slant, we can stunt, we can blitz. And we'll find a way to get in the backfield, and that's what they're doing. They
10: are. Uh, do you like Carolina Saturday against Miami, or does Miami bounce back? Do they take that to heart and use it as fuel? Like, what, I'm taking Carolina. I'm, I'm assuming you are, but what do you think?
7: I'm taking Carolina. Yeah. Like, I, I, like Miami, they feel like they're much closer to driving their car off a cliff.
10: Oh yeah, pretty much perpetually. Uh, Michael Felder, college football analyst with Stadium, he's with us on the Bodyworks Plus guest hotline. Um, Mike, how good is Louisville? Like six and zero, and three and zero in conference speaks for itself. Fourteenth in the country, but like, how good are they, and why are they so good so quickly under Jeff Brom?
7: Brom, well, I mean, it starts with Brom. Brom's a good coach, man. This is the guy that you what he studied under Petrino. Like, he understands what he's doing, and um, there's something to be said about the way that Louisville was like, hey. We're not just gonna win. We're gonna break your face in half. And that was when they when you like like think about that game, right? That game was over. It was already over. And then in the fourth quarter, Louisville was like, why don't we just like do more? Like, let's go ahead and give them the work. And it was remarkable. Plummer had a fine game, but you looked at um you look at what they were able to do against Sam Hartman and Hartman, that's a house of horrors for him, right? Going to Louisville. So it's just one of those things where you, you see, uh, with George Jordan and you see, you see, um, uh, I almost said trash. That's not right. Thrash, thrash, trash. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> thrash. But you see these guys, like they get active and, the way that they were active in the back end of that football game, it was like, oh, man, and not only are we going to win, we're going to destroy you. We're going to break your face. We're going to make you cry. We're going to make it so that nobody thinks that you guys are any good. And 16 points in the fourth quarter, when they really, what do they need? They need one touchdown in the fourth to make sure they sealed that victory? You go out and get 16 points? Like, these guys, they weren't playing around with it. Brom wasn't playing around with them. They wanted to go out and get them, and I think that's a big thing. And Sam Hartman to have, yeah, five turnovers, three interceptions, two two lost fumbles, like he. This this is a man that should never step, set foot in, sh- in Kentucky ever again. Mm, speaking
10: of Kentucky, real quick, I, I thought it was um, you know, at least amusing, right? They go down to Athens. They lose to Georgia. Uh, Mark Stoops is telling disgruntled fans to pony up and donate more money, <laughs> which I just get. I mean, Mark Stoops has done a good job there. And I don't think anybody believed they were going between the hedges and winning that game. Uh, but like I mean, Georgia's had a chance with this schedule to ramp up in the first half of the season, and it hasn't always been pretty. But that appears to be what they've done here, Mike. How much better have they gotten in the first six weeks? And are we looking at a team that could realistically win a third state, th- a third straight national championship?
7: Well, so there's two things. One, can I, I can I just ask this? And I know you got the text line open. Sure. Um, are NC State fans like, yes, we got a guy at quarterback, and you guys have Devin Leary now?
10: Oh no, no, I haven't seen much of that, but that's a fair question.
7: I get the sense that state
10: state fans aren't in a great mood this week like they beat Marshall, but they gave up 41 points so they really don't want yeah. to talk about it right. They're in that kind of mood.
7: Yeah, but I, I'll tell you what MJ played really well. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I thought that like I know he didn't have a great game, but they don't win that game if he's not the quarterback. Um to go to Georgia, yeah, Carson Beck played really. I thought he was this was the best game that he's played. I also still don't understand, like, the concept of not covering Brock Bowers. Like, what are you doing? Like, what? <laughs> is, is, he like, the, is he in the scouting report? Didn't, didn't you see him? <laughs> like, if, if if I was coaching defense against Georgia, every play, I would make sure that all 11 of my players, I don't care if you got your hand down, I don't care if you're a linebacker, your safety, corner. Every game I would be like 19 is right here. 19 is right there. He's right there. Guys, he's right there. Don't lose him. Like in it's just it's insane the idea that Brock How does a guy that you know is going to destroy you have 7 catches for 132 yards? For, for for 19 yards a catch. What are you doing? Like Bro, so just go, just mug him, mug him the whole time. Go out and tackle him every play. Like, do anything besides from what you're doing. Who's the second best team in the SEC? That's a great question. Ooh. Who? You tell me who is the second best team. I got an answer now. You tell me though.
10: Uh, the the easy cop out answer is Alabama because they're five and one. huh. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, LSU. Yeah, maybe, but how do you say that about a with the first two lost team pre-October since dot dot dot? I don't know. I'm not sure.
7: Right. I go, I go Alabama because I think Alabama. And Alabama does a thing that I. This is something, and this is going to sound really sick and twisted, but they put they play football like it's supposed to hurt. Ooh. And, and they know that it's going to hurt. They just want to make you hurt more. And I love that about Alabama. Like they are focused in LSU is an interesting answer because LSU, they have a quarterback that is so remarkably dynamic that there's nothing you can do with him. But give me like Alabama, between between one yard and 13 yards, Alabama is a nothing throwing the football. And then once you get to 20, 25 yards, Jalen Milroe can hit you on the dot. But LSU has this quarterback who is accurate and dynamic and can do all these things. But their defense—I mean, they gave up twelve. What did they give up? Twelve hundred yards of offense in in two weeks.
10: Yeah, it's not good. It's bad. Very bad. Very very bad. Michael Felder, college football analyst with Stadium, with us on the Bodyworks Plus guest hotline. Always a pleasure.
7: We'll talk to you in seven days. Sounds good, man. Can't wait to talk to you. Take it easy.
1: you tuned in to Instant Replay. When the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home
0: of the Charlotte Sports Fan.